Time to check in with Jeff Ginyard on our program today. Jeff is the executive director of the Alliance of Beverage Licensees of British Columbia, here to talk about, among other things, alcohol warnings. Uh, Jeff, good morning. Welcome back. Good morning. So talk to us a little bit about, I saw, I was reading a, a story, a news story the other day about uh, this business from the uh, Canadian Center for Substance Abuse in Victoria and their new recommendations vis-a-vis uh, adult uh, alcohol consumption. They want all Canadian adults to dramatically reduce alcohol intake down to, they say, a couple of drinks a week. And they also want all alcoholic beverages to con- carry warning labels similar to what all tobacco products currently carry. You're uh, quoted in this news article, Mr. Guignard, as saying you don't think alcohol warning labels will work. Why not, Jeff? Yeah, there's lots to talk about here, but sure, let's start with the, the warning labels. And it's, it's interesting how to an academic, uh, warning labels are often the solution to everything. Mm-hmm. Maybe because they, they spend so much time reading, they assume everyone else will. Uh, consumers tend to react negatively to them, and businesses find it, it messes up their branding. But I, I think the easiest way to look at it is the tobacco industry, since everyone uses it as an example. And sure. they say, oh, look, tobacco consumption has gone down, and it's worked. Uh, tobacco is an $850 billion industry worldwide, and consumers just switch to vaping. If you go to a tobacco company's website, they're telling you they want to get rid of cigarettes. So they just shifted their branding. What I find much more helpful, uh, and I and I think we're generally on the same page, they want warning labels to to frighten consumers. We want education, right? I think the question we have to ask is if we want to actually change people's behaviors, what works, right? And what tends to work is education. And I think we have to start much earlier. People don't know what a standard drink is. They don't know the safe amount to consume and how to make responsible choices. Teach it in in schools, right? And let's build consumers who actually have an educated base to make responsible, healthy choices the same way they do with education exercise or eating or anything else they put into their bodies. Right. So as uh, now the uh, education industry has taken up the science that uh, has been offered uh, with respect to tobacco, and it's uh, mm-hmm. certainly very commonplace in especially high schools to have yeah. uh, 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 classes uh, and, and discussions in and open discussions in class about the, the negative effects of tobacco on humans. And that's yeah. an education process that begins in their early teen years. And you're saying similar education with respect to alcohol and its effects, and that's multiple, should also begin at that same age level. Yeah, I strongly believe that because when studies like this come out, they make some shocking headlines. Uh, and they're, they're always just limited in, in, in what they're looking at, right? I mean, the study is only looking at the potential negative impacts of alcohol consumption. It's not looking at an individual's healthy lifestyle or whatever else they may be doing to contribute to their cancer risk or to reduce their cancer risk, right? I mean, if I don't think anybody was surprised to find out that binge drinking is bad for you or that if you, you shouldn't consume alcohol when you're pregnant. But I also think people are not surprised to think about, you know, if you're eating fast food every single day of your life, you probably have a higher risk of someone who's eating a healthier diet, right? Mm-hmm. So all of that needs to be taken into account. And I, and I think producing educated consumers is the best way to do it. And, you know, you're seeing it already in the marketplace, too. Um, Statistics Canada has a wonderful wealth of information on, on consumption patterns and consumer behaviors. And we found that, yes, during the pandemic, you know, consumption went up across the board. It sure did. But yeah, what we also found that if you go back to 2015, not even that long ago, about 30% of Canadians between 18 to 34 years old said they indulged in at least occasional bouts of heavy drinking. By 2021, that 30% had dropped down to 20%. So the reason you're also in the marketplace now seeing tons of low-alcoholic and non-alcoholic options. Right. So 
education is what works, not trying to frighten people at the point of sale when they've already made the decision if they're going to purchase something or not. Well, it's a, there's also a cultural dimension to all of this, Jeff, that was ignored by the scientists involved in producing these uh, new recommendations with respect to alcohol consumption. Now, we had the Cancer Society on our show this morning uh, and talking about their Dry Feb campaign, for example. They're encouraging Canadians right across the land to take a month off and uh, and raise some money for cancer at the same time because there is science which shows a correlation between elevated risk of getting some types of cancer uh, combined with alcohol consumption. So they say, uh, you know, this is a great time to do that. But even in the midst of all of this, the uh, our representative uh, who spoke with us from Toronto earlier this morning, she was terrific too, uh, Karen Kuzmich, also pointed out that you, uh, in, the, in the course of, of being a participant in this, you can get what's called a golden ticket or a mulligan and take a night off in February if, for example, you know, there's a, a wedding or you get engaged or it's time for a glass right. of champagne on Valentine's Day or something like that. So acknowledging the fact that there is a cultural dimension to this as well, which was ignored in the in the uh, the, the very dramatic revelations from the Center for Substance Use a few days ago. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely correct. And I, I always say you have to put everything into context, right, into the whole board. Uh, the, the job of the health advocates and the researchers that are looking into the health impacts is to talk about the health impacts, right? Just those. They're not looking at the other studies that show that the glass of wine can lower blood pressure or they're not looking at how alcohol contributes to the economy and uh, what it does for small businesses like pubs and wineries and that contribute to our tourism economy. It doesn't consider the 200,000 British Columbians working in alcohol-related industries. Right. It doesn't look at the cultural, artistic, or social benefits. So you, you have to think of all of those things in context. And, you know, cancer is a scourge that I hope we can eliminate in our lifetimes. But you also have to look at those stats. So if you look at the American Cancer Society, for example, they say there's about 75,000 Americans every year who end up getting some form of cancer related to alcohol. 75,000 is a lot of people. It is also 0.004% of the United States population. Mm-hmm. So put it into context and you know, let's focus on educating consumers so they can make healthy, responsible choices holistically, not just in this one area. Interesting stuff. Now, Jeff, let's step back and take a look at uh, what your licensees province-wide and how they're doing this early part of January. How was the holiday season now that it's behind us and some numbers have been crunched? Uh, certainly yeah. better, better this season than the last two years probably put together. What can you tell us? Well, the, one of the things that I always have to remember and, and reassure everyone is that our industry is incredibly resilient. You know, and we have seen over and over and over again business owners fight through the pandemic to keep their business afloat. The good news from the holiday season, it is it is our best time of the year, right? So a lot of folks were able to make some much needed revenue and to, and to keep their business employed, or their employees working. Sure. Now, the, the the challenge, though, that we have to put into context always is the pandemic was devastating for the hospitality industry. Mm-hmm. We lost about 15% of businesses out there. And a number of businesses that survived did so by taking on massive amounts of debt. We are still paying off those bills. And we have not yet seen the full financial fallout from the pandemic. I know of a major pub chain in British Columbia that is on the verge of insolvency because of the debt that they had to take on and the decisions they had to make through the pandemic to get here. So you're going to see more stories about that. And that's the hard part. The good news is, though, is that for those who have made it through, we are looking towards 2023 as a year to finally stabilize, forget of the pandemic, and to fully recover and get back on our feet. 
you know, if you walk down the street and find any pub, restaurant, bar in your city, they're probably hiring right now. I was just going to ask you about that. Yeah, because there is the, the, the problem that they seem to be sharing right across the province is a shortage of staff. Yeah, you're, you're, you're bang on, Sterling. It's, it's a serious problem for us. So we employ about 190,000 uh, British Columbians um, on an annual basis, averagely. And it's, you know, we are one of the largest private sector employers in the country. The challenge we have, we're about 10% short of where we want to be. So just imagine if your business is constantly about 10% short of workers every day, every shift. Yeah. And we, we had some meetings even just with some health officials yesterday. And it's interesting. They're seeing it when they go in and do inspections. They're having to remind people to do the extra cleaning, uh, you know, pull out the fridge and clean behind there. And they're like, oh, right, yes, we mean to get to that. We understand if we don't clean that, that's going to lead to problems down the road. But where I find the staff to even, you know, make that part of our regular shifts, right? So it's, it's just constant pressures on those businesses. And you'll see it even as consumers. You know, we're, we're doing our best to put our, our best foot forward, but sometimes we have to keep sections of a pub closed because we can, the kitchen can't handle the extra volume. Right. right? So it's... It's our biggest challenge and our biggest impediment to recovery. And that's uh, so why I always say, if you're looking for work right now, we are definitely hiring. Well, compared to the last couple of years and some of the conversations we've had over that time, Jeff, it's a nice problem to have, isn't it? <laughs> well, in a way, yes. I mean, over the, the pandemic, it was, it was rough. I mean, it's pretty grim. Closed. Yeah, we had to lay people off. And it, it, was, it was horrible. So it's from, you know, at least we're operating and we're, we're doing the best we can. Uh, but we're definitely looking for more staff and, and uh, in just all the entire hospitality, tourism, accommodation, liquor industry, United, trying to solve those challenges. All right, Jeff Gainyard, thanks very much for this. Always a pleasure, sir. We appreciate the update. Thanks very much. Have a great day. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.